0: I'm glad that you're listening to this podcast. This podcast is a ministry of the Bonners Ferry Baptist Church and of Pastor Devon Neal. All right, stand again if you would. First John chapter 5, beginning verse 18. We know that whatsoever is born of God sinneth not, but he that is begotten of God keepeth himself, and that wicked one toucheth him not. And we know that we are of God and the whole world lieth in wickedness. And we know that the Son of God is come and hath given us an understanding that we may know him that is true and we are in him that is true even in his Son Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. Amen. Thank think you may be seated. Last Thursday night we looked at Uh, verses 18 and 19. So I'll give us just a quick review. Allow me to say this. Throughout 1 John, something that I believe is needful to understand is that John is writing to the believers to answer the, the, the word Gnostic is never used, but it would seem the Gnostic doctrine of exalting knowledge over the Word of God and having a group of men who claim to have a superior knowledge beyond what had been revealed to the apostles and what they were writing down and giving to the churches, And coming in and deceiving, 1 John 2.16 says, These things write on you concerning them which seduce you. So he's writing from the standpoint of protecting these people from seducers, people that are coming in claiming to have a superior knowledge than what God had revealed. You remember this, that uh, Satan works as an angel of light, which is knowledge. Beware any time that you start having a hunger for something more than what the Bible reveals. If we think, well, I know the Bible says, but I'm looking, I'm looking for something more than that. There's not more. There may be men who have studied the Bible and can help you and I understand uh, what God has to say, but there's not going to be extra biblical revelation uh, that is more that you need to know about God than what's revealed in the Bible and what's revealed in the person of Jesus Christ and so and there's no discrepancy Some would say well we don't we people like us today by the way let me just say this we're accused of being Bible worshipers uh, I have a problem with people that say that uh, they obviously are out in left or right field somewhere we don't worship the Bible we worship the author of the Bible let me say this there's not one hairbreadth difference between who Jesus Christ truly is and who the Bible reveals him to be he is the living word. This is the written word. And we know him through the scripture and through the Holy Spirit of God, making him known through the scripture. And so then the context you are hearing about knowledge over and over and over in 1 John. And that is because there were some who came in saying that they had a superior knowledge. And so even at the end of this book, as, as he's closing, He uh, a number of times, verse 18, 19, and 20, he says, and we know. May I say this, Satan loves to throw you by saying or suggesting that what you know, you don't really know. So, for instance, we know some things. We know Jesus Christ is sinless. Well, he would love to suggest, well, that's what you think, but are you sure? And it seems that those who claim to have a superior knowledge, what they're saying is what you have, you're still in the dark. You don't have what you really need to know God. We have that. Uh, we have that high, superior understanding. But John says, no, we know. We know some things. We know, in verse 18, that whosoever is born of God sinneth not. But he that is begotten of God keepeth himself, and that wicked one toucheth him not. We refer to verse 18 as dealing with our deliverance, because we're delivered from sin by being born again. And on its face, the statement is absolutely true. Whatsoever is born of God and whosoever is born of God does not sin. If whosoever, if the person born of God sins, then what does that make God? A sinner. <laughs> Only sinners beget sinners. God does not beget sinners. Uh, when God made Adam, Adam was not a sinner. Adam became a sinner by his own choice, not by God's creation. And so then we know that whosoever is born of God sinneth not. Uh, that is certainly a reference to Jesus Christ. It's certainly a reference to us as born-again people. And there's two uh, two ways to understand that. And that is the position we have Uh, in in the fact that we have received a sinless nature in the person of Jesus Christ. So the nature we received is sinless, and in that sense, we sin not, or the new man in us sins not. He that is begotten of God keepeth himself, and that wicked one toucheth him not. That deals with uh, the fact that, uh, uh, I say, our position, and last week we dealt also with the purpose God has for us, uh, if you look at verses uh, 16 and 17, we dealt with that the week before, and that is dealing with the sin unto death and the sin not unto death. Uh, so there's a second aspect of meaning, if you would, to verse 18, that whatsoever is born of God sinneth not. There is a sinless nature in us. But there's also the aspect that you're not going to continue in a state of sin without God dealing with you and stopping that. He's either going to chastise you into obedience or chastise you to death. That's, that's a, an extreme thing. The Bible says... We're not to pray for that, but there is a sin unto death. That's not talking about losing your salvation. It's not talking about going to hell. We've dealt with that. It's talking about believers that won't obey God, and God, instead of letting them continue in sin takes them on home. First Corinthians 11, first Corinthians 5, here in First John 5, it deals with that very specifically. So we know that our position is sinless in the sense we have a sinless nature, but the purpose of God... Someone said this, before you get to heaven, you will never be in sinless perfection. You will not be sinless because of your body, but you should sin less. <laughs> and That doesn't mean we'll all sin less than I used to, meaning as God's work in your life, He is... He is implementing holiness. That's what Hebrews 12 was all about. He chastens us that we might be partakers of His righteousness and that we, uh, His holiness we may be, uh, the bring forth the fruits of righteousness, the peaceable fruits of righteousness. So our deliverance in verse 18 deals with our position, a sinless nature that God gave us when He saved us, the purpose of God that He's dealing with us to lead us into holy lives and we're not going to be able to continue perpetually in sin without the chastisement of God, the power of God, uh, whosoever whatsoever is born of God, he that is begotten of God keepeth himself, and that wicked one toucheth him not as a child of God, we have what we need to defend ourselves against Satan. and of course, we know this again is true of the Lord Jesus Christ, as we conform to Christ, we keep ourselves, and we dealt with a number of verses last week that where we are commanded to keep ourselves in the love of God we 're to keep ourselves from idols, as he 'll say here in first john five twenty one Uh, There's a number of times it is our command to keep ourselves or to guard and defend ourselves from Satan. And as someone who's born again, we have everything we need. We have the power of God to do that. That's our deliverance. And verse 19 deals with our distinction. And we know that we are of God. Who is of God? We who are born again. We are of God. Uh, And and it it concerns me in a time, and it kind of hit a rabbit trail for a minute, in a time where there's so many Things in this world to get entangled with and, and politics and so forth. I know a, a number of years ago, uh, there was a man and he was very concerned about churches being 501c3 or not 501c3. Uh, and so uh, he began to keep a list on his church's website of non-501c3 churches. Some of these churches were doctrinally amok, but they had a common bond and that they were all non-501c3. Uh, We see some schism in our country today. Some are saying, well, that guy's doctrine is wrong, but at least he kept his church open during COVID. Well, I'm glad for that, but doctrine is fundamental. Doctrine is primary. Our fellowship is first and foremost around the doctrine of Jesus Christ. And if we're not careful... We can start saying, well, those people must be of God because they're conservative or those people must be of God because they align more with the position with us here. That's not entirely so. May I say this? What makes us of God is if we are in Christ Jesus. And that's, that's what he's doing. We know that we are of God. Who? Those who've been born again. We are of God and the whole world lieth in wickedness and so we are sanctified people which means we are to be a separated people that's what he's dealing with here there's always in the bible a distinction between the world and the family of god that's the distinction the world is of their father the devil but we are of god who've been born into his family adopted into his family uh through faith in the lord jesus christ and so a number of verses on that we dealt with ephesians 2 2 ephesians 5 1 through 11 2 Corinthians 6, 17 through chapter 7, verse 1, which I want to read before we transition into the next, the third point here. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, uh, every, every child of God should be familiar with this passage of Scripture, especially in the time in which we live. What's happened is, in the name of reaching the world, we've said it's okay in order to obey Matthew 28, 19 through 20 which, by the way, didn't tell us to go reach the world, told us to go into all the world and preach the gospel, go therefore and teach all nations. He didn't go say get everybody saved. How many of us know that's not the Great Commission? God did not say, go get the world saved. He said, go preach the gospel to the world. Well, whether they get saved or not is up to them. And if we're not careful, we get the wrong goal in mind that our job is to get as many people as we possibly can. And don't misunderstand. I think we should want as many people to get saved as can. Our job is to tell the gospel and give, preach the gospel to as many people as we can. To pray for them, to sow and to water and trust God to give the increase. And certainly lots of folks won't get saved, a lot of people aren't hearing. But there are people today that say in order to fulfill Matthew 28:19 and 20, in order to fulfill Mark 16, 15, and 16, the Great Commission and so on and so forth, we have to disobey 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 17 through chapter 7, verse 1. Because if we're holy, people won't like us. How I many you know the world still does not like holiness? But God, who saved us, has called us out of sin, has called us to himself. We are in the family of God. It's the world that lies in wickedness. It's the world that's been overcome of wickedness. That's what he's dealing with. Whosoever is uh, him that is begotten of God keepeth himself and the wicked one toucheth him not. The world is touched by the wicked, laid hold of by the wicked one, by Satan. Therefore, the world lies in wickedness. But the Bible says of the Christian in 2 Corinthians 6, verse 14, Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness and what communion hath light with darkness and what concord with... "...hath Christ with Belial, or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God, as God hath said, I will dwell in them, and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, uh, saith the Lord. And touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and will be a father unto you. And ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty." Chapter 7, verse 1. Having, therefore, these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. What separates God's people from the world is holiness. That we don't lie in wickedness, we stand in holiness. That's the distinction. Uh, And so, may I say this? Uh, The Bible says wisdom that is from above is first what? Pure. First pure. First pure. Then peaceable. We are to be peaceful. We're to, have to make peace with all men as much as life in us. I don't believe we all be going around stirring up trouble, but first pure. And I believe John is dealing with that. There, there were those coming in that were promoting sin, that were using a false doctrine to say sin was okay. And he says, No, let me remind you, whosoever is born of God sinneth not. God has called us to a life of holiness, not a life of corruption. It's the world that lies in wickedness. We're of God. God is holy. We're of God, we're to be living a life of victory over sin, unlike the world. I I don't believe there's enough emphasis in our current time, especially on the truth that we can have victory. Victory is not sinless perfection, victory is overcoming temptation. And I believe most of God's people, I shouldn't say most, many of God's people have become convinced that that's not even a possibility. And I believe Satan's working very hard to continue to promote that lie when, in fact, the victory is already ours. What, what transfers the will of God for victory to us to our account and brings it to pass is faith. Faith that acts upon the promises of God uh, and faith that waits upon the promises of God. And so then he's saying the whole world lies in wickedness, but that's not us. We're not of the world. We are of God. Now we come to verse 20. So he's dealt with our deliverance, verse 18. Verse 18. We've been born again, born of God. And because we've been born again, we're distinct from the world. Number, verse number 20, he begins to deal with our dependence. He says this, And we know that the Son of God is come. Now, that's a very interesting phrase that didn't say, And we know that the Son of God did come. He doesn't say, We know the Son of God will come. He says, We know that the Son of God is come. It's the same phrasing he uses that, uh, that we, any spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. And, and so the fact of the matter is, I believe this is stated this way because Jesus Christ's existence is not past. It's not future. It is past, present, and future. He is come. He came, but right now He's He's come, and uh, He came into the world, and that has been accomplished. And so the phrasing is not on accident. Uh, It deals with the fact that He is present with us by His Holy Spirit. So we know that the Son of God is come, and hath given us an understanding that we may know Him that is true. And we are in Him that is true, even in His Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. What John is dealing with is something the Lord Jesus dealt with in his earthly ministry, and that is no man knows the Father but the Son, and no man knows the Son but the Father, and to whom he will reveal him, and vice versa, meaning you cannot know God, truly know God, outside of Jesus Christ. There are those that say, well, I know some people, and they're Buddhists, and they really love God. No, they don't. They don't know God. I know some Mormons. We know a lot of Mormons, some very nice people. I think they really love God. They don't know God. Their Christ is a different Christ. And you can go through whatever cult you want to, the Jehovah's Witnesses. And many times, again, if we're not careful, may I say this, many today... Uh, would say about the uh, the people in Judaism. Well, we share a common denominator. We believe in the Old Testament Scriptures and Jehovah God. Do you realize that the Jewish religion of today, and this is not against Jewish people, we pray for their salvation, we know God saves Jewish people today if they'll put their trust in Him just like the Gentile, to the Jew first and also the Greek. But may I say, Judaism is not a religion that is biblical today because it rejects who? jesus christ they need a savior as much as anyone else does and they rejected him when he came and the fact of the matter is is the only way to know the true god is to be in his son jesus christ we must we depend on the lord jesus christ to make god known to us that's why a person can read the bible with they've not been born again they don't have christ as their savior he's not dwelling within them they do not understand the ways of God. You have to have Christ indwelling you to make known to you who God is truly. And that's what John's saying. He said, look, knowing God is not about being uh, uh, educationally elite. You don't know God by going to seminary. You don't know God by even going, by going to church. Unless you're at church hearing about how to be born again and you believe on Christ. But you don't know God through education. You know God through regeneration." You must be born again. Christ must be within you for a person to know and understand God. So I assume these Gnostics were coming in and saying, well, we know this about God. God revealed this to us. Watch out for anybody who says, well, God revealed something to me, and then they don't quote a Bible verse. Amen? If God's revealing things to you, then it's going to be in the Scripture somewhere. And when you have people that say, I have some unique understanding of God that you don't have. Look out. If you have Christ living in you and you you are listening to Him as He speaks to you through His Word, He is teaching you of the Father. He is making known the attributes, the character, the dealings of God. He helps us to understand. So look here, if you would, in Luke chapter 10. The Lord Jesus dealt with this. Luke chapter 10. May I say this, if you want to know how to build a building, go to school to be a carpenter. You want to know how to be an electrician, go to school to be an electrician. You want to be an automobile mechanic, then you go to mechanic school. But if you want to know God, be born again. You must have Jesus Christ literally dwelling within before we can know God. And by the way, if you do, you have everything you need to know in Christ. Uh, In Him dwells all the riches of wisdom and understanding. Satan will work very hard to get you to look somewhere other than to Christ to try to know who God is. And so then, Luke chapter 10, verses 21 and 22. In that hour, Jesus rejoiced in spirit and said, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that thou hast hid these things from the wise and prudent. That was the elite educated of that day, as far as worldly wisdom was concerned. You've hidden these things from the wise and prudent and hast revealed them unto babes. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in thy sight. All things are delivered unto me, are delivered to me of my Father, and no man knoweth who the Son is but the Father, and who the Father is but the Son, and he to whom the Son will reveal him. Knowing God is a supernatural matter. It's something that takes the supernatural working of the Spirit of God, first of all, to reprove you of your need for salvation, bring you to the point of realizing you must be born again, and then, like a little baby, you put your trust in Jesus Christ and He saves you. And then like a little baby, you believe everything he said in this book because he's the author. And as we do that, we know God. I'm concerned about a lot of... of, And I think it's just in our humanity. It's in our our flesh to do this. But us as Christians trying to compete with the world for how we educate people and trying to compete with their education models. And so we develop universities so that they can be uh, the theologians who've studied for years and years and boy, they know God. The more like a babe you are, the more you'll know God, because what does what does Jesus Christ not know of God? Is He not God? Was He not in the bosom of the Father? So I see tremendous, you know, we see a tremendous emphasis at times on on the the deep study of creation and proving creation. Through education. May I say this? I'm all for knowing the truth and the facts that line up with what the Bible says. But the best way to know that God created the heaven and the earth is when the Lord Jesus told you that in Genesis 1-1 and John 1-1 to believe Him like a little babe. And all of a sudden you become wise because God revealed Himself in Christ that He's the Creator come to man and we have a wisdom we would not have before. And John's saying, don't get caught up in those who say they have a superior knowledge outside of what the living Son of God can reveal to you about who God is. There's no no substitute for having the living Christ living in you. Amen? The Apostle Paul, who knew more in his head about God when he was persecuting the church than most Christians knew, was willing to trade all that in to truly know God. He said that I may know Him. And the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. And I began to say I'm concerned that we as Christians in our pride want to compete with the world and show that we're as prudent and wise as they are by learning how to set up large defenses and have debates about what is true. Listen, there's no need for that. Do you realize that God did not say, go ye into all the world and debate the gospel? He said, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. Meaning it's true, I showed it to you, I've revealed it to you in my word. Now preach it knowing it's true. There's a temptation in all of us. I believe this. We are not in competition with the world. We are in conflict with the world. There's a vast difference. (laughs) And the fact of the matter is, we need to conquer them by faith... Conquering them doesn't mean destroying them. It means seeing them come to repentance and be saved. But the fact of the matter is, and, and not be overcome of the wickedness of this world, but our dependence on the Lord Jesus Christ is that we might have a comprehension of God through Him. How many of us believe He is living? How many of believe every day He's willing to teach us more of the Father? And by the way, that happens in your Scripture reading, and that happens in prayer, as you seek the Lord, as He has instructed you, And as He works in your heart by His Holy Spirit, through His Word, through reading and preaching and through prayer, He communes with us and teaches us of God the Father. And so then, we are dependent on Him to comprehend God. So we deal with our comprehension there in verse 20, but also our contentment. And I've touched on this already. And we know that the Son of God is come and have given us an understanding that we may know Him that is true. And we are in Him that is true, even in His Son Jesus Christ What John is saying here is, if you're in Christ, this is the true God, not some other version, not some other form, who who the Lord Jesus Christ is as revealed uh, in the Scriptures. That's who Jesus Christ is. That's the true God, plus nothing, minus nothing. So if you're born again, and you're in Christ, and He in you, this is the true God. The God that Jesus Christ has revealed to us is the true God. Any other form is not. Uh, Brother Louis Turk will be with us in... Our missions conference and he's working on the Indonesian Bible and there's sadly a tremendous amount of controversy surrounding that thing because for this reason most of you know this all Indonesian Bibles available today refer to God as Allah now those who work in those countries even now there could be people that say well you don't understand pastor and I've been told this that that's the, that's the only name they have for God and so they have to put that and when it's Allah in the Bible they understand it refers to Jehovah God who do you believe Allah is By the way, I spoke with Brother Hurley and he said, no, that's the name of the Muslim God. And Allah does not have a son named Jesus Christ. And there's confusion over who that God is. You've heard of the the little contract drawn up some years ago, a common word between us and them and all these so-called Christians and all these so-called Muslims agreeing that we have one thing in common and that is love. Now I say this, God is love but the Muslim God is not love. Whether they use that term or phrase or not, it's a redefinition. My point is this tonight. By being born again, what John is saying is, then you know through Christ the true God. You don't need more. You don't need more than that. Let me, let me turn over to a, a text very quickly. Second Corinthians, I believe is where I want to be, chapter one. I may be in the wrong place. May not be what I'm exactly after, because I did not write this down, so forgive me. Okay, let me, let me read these verses here. In verse 18, But as God is true, our word toward you was not yea and nay. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by us, even by me and Silvanus and Timotheus, was not yea and nay, but in him was yea. For all the promises of God in him are yea and in him, amen, unto the glory of God by us. Now, he which establisheth us with you in Christ and hath anointed us is God, who hath also sealed us and given the earnest of the Spirit in our hearts. Moreover, I call God for a record upon my soul that to spare you, I came not as yet unto Corinth, so on and so forth. But the point would be, and I'm looking for another text as well, uh, where we, uh, the, I have not seen, neither ear heard, nor, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which the Lord hath prepared for them that love him. That was the text I was looking for, but I can't find this, so forgive me. Uh, but this, this, this tremendous text here as well about the promises of God in Christ being yea and amen. The, the point to you tonight would be this. Christ is sufficient. One, A couple of the texts very quickly. It's Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 through 10. Colossians 2. 6 through 10. Let me try to give you an illustration. Let's say that someone wanted to... um, Gentlemen, let's say somebody wanted to try to seduce you into some immoral uh, affair. And let's say you have a strong marriage. You're content with your wife. You're so pleased with the wife God has given you. And uh, you, you think about how... Much of a blessing it is, what a tremendous help me she is. You enjoy her company, you appreciate her hard work, whatever it may be. And you're very happy and content with your wife. And one day you're in the workplace and you're talking about uh, the blessing that your wife is. And this woman decides, you know what, I want to steal his heart from his wife. You might know, what's one of be one of the first things that this woman will do to try to get you to leave, turn your heart from your wife to her? Now, think this through. What's well, going to be one of the first things she's going to do? She'll probably flatter. Yes, I would agree with that. Because they, you know, certainly that's the mark of the strange woman. I believe also she's going to have to disparage your wife. She's going to have to get you to start. She's going to, have to start pointing out things about your wife that you ought to be discontented over. So Hebrews chapter 13 says, let your conversation be without Covetousness, longing for that which you have not been given. Let your conversation with, be without covetousness and be content with such things as ye have, for he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. It's interesting to me the verse before that talks about marriage is honorable and all, the bed undefiled, but whoremongers and adulterers God will judge. And then tied right with it is contentment versus covetousness. Well, let me just try to draw this analogy. There's an analogy between the church and Jesus Christ, is there not? I believe that there are there's, there are seducers out here. I know because the Bible says, and what they want us to do is be dissatisfied with what we have. To think that what we have by the indwelling Holy Spirit of God, our Bible in our hands, Christ literally working in our lives uh, to perform that which is His will. He's working in us both the will and to do of His good pleasure. The first thing they will do is try to show us that what we have in Christ is not enough. That there's more than what the Bible reveals. There's just just more to it than that. The Bible's too simple. It it doesn't take in all the complexities of life. So you've got to have a better understanding. You need philosophy, and you need these things to to be a well-rounded person. You're not really going to understand God if you just study biblical Christianity. And so what Satan works to do is to discontent us with a, a position we ought to be so contented in. You realize whatever wisdom you need, if you need wisdom for personal decision making, you need wisdom in finances, you need wisdom for how to stand for righteousness, you need wisdom for how to suffer, you need wisdom for how to preach the gospel with boldness, you need wisdom how to wait on God, or whatever it is you need wisdom for, do you realize that in Him... In Him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. I don't think we as Christians have one clue how many resources we have simply by being born again. We have all the power of God in Jesus Christ. All the wisdom. Get a hold of this. The God who created everything has made a relationship through the new birth with us so that through Jesus Christ He's able to channel to us the wisdom that created the universe. And we'll settle for some some counsel from some ungodly person who doesn't even know God. When we get on our knees and seek God in prayer, He would impart to us what we need. We miss out on what we have. I'm trying to say tonight, and I believe it's what John was saying tonight, that everything that is to be known of God is known through Jesus Christ. He'll reveal to you who God is and the wisdom of God for you. But you're gonna have to be content in that. This is the true God, and this is eternal life. Christ in you and you in Him. That's eternal life, plus nothing, minus nothing. Colossians chapter 2 verse 6. As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him. How'd you receive Him? By faith. Didn't you? Here's how I received Him. I believe what the Bible said about Him. That's how I received Christ. I believe what he said, believed who he is. Well, that's how you walk in him. How do you know that sometimes it's, uh, it's easier to receive him than to walk in him? That's why verses like this are in the Bible. As you received him, so walk in him. It goes on to say, rooted in verse 7, and built up in him, and established in the faith as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Here it is, verse 8 Beware lest any man spoil you through what? Philosophy. That's man's worked up ideas about life. And vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments, that's the principles, if you would, the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and ye are complete in him which is the head of all principality and power. And then, if you would, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. We're almost done tonight. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Verse 26 For you see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. By the way, how many mighty, wise, and noble men today do you know that are born again children of God? And the answer would be the same Not many. Not many. Most wealthy men don't get saved. Most uh, high ranking politicians don't get saved. Why? Because they trust in the flesh. Then he goes on to say. Verse 27, For God, But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty, and base things of the world, and things which are despised hath God chosen, yea, and things which are not to bring to naught things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. But of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God has made unto us wisdom, and righteousness, and sanctification, and redemption, that according as it is written, he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. And again, Hebrews thirteen five, Let your conversation be without covetousness, and be content with such things as you have. For he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee, so that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. And the verse 8 says, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday today and forever. And so then back to 1 John 5, as we conclude, he's dealt with our deliverance to the new birth in verse 18, our distinction in verse 19, we are of God, the whole world lieth in wickedness, our dependence, we are fully dependent on Jesus Christ to bring us into the knowledge of God and give us eternal life, Him and Him alone. Amen? And then finally, number four, our devotion. What a way to end the book. He says, little children, keep yourselves from idols Amen. I'm going to let you become the teacher for a minute. Why in the world is this stuck here at the end of this book and in this verse? I mean, in in this verse, in these context of verses. Any ideas? (laughs) It's true. (laughs) You think about what they're up against, though. Someone's trying to seduce them, meaning when you change the doctrine of God, you produce an idol. That's what happens. When you create... And there were those coming in among them saying, we have a view of God that you don't understand. You simpletons who just believe in Jesus Christ and that you were born again, that's fine. But we have a higher knowledge and a greater understanding of God in so doing, in so doing, you create an idol. And I believe he's he's dealing with, and not just the seducers, but the seduction certainly of, of our own hearts. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. He's just said... The the God that is revealed to us in Jesus Christ is the true God. So don't fall for anything outside of that. May I say this, there's a lot of Christ being preached in our day. And being preached in evangelical churches, being preached in Baptist churches, the spirit of Antichrist has swept our world. Ain't no doubt about it. The spirit of Antichrist does not necessarily deny there's a Christ. It changes his identity. There's an identity theft over who Jesus Christ is. There is a Christ being preached today that when you hear it preached, it sounds so nice to the ears, but you open your Bible and you go, ah, that's, not, that's not the Jesus of the Bible. The Lord, for instance, you, you, you're familiar with, it's been preached for some time now, the health and wealth gospel, that if you believe on Christ, you become a Christian, you start following Him. Oh, you'll get the best job and you'll succeed. And probably, I, to my knowledge, the largest church in America, Joel Osteen's church, is preaching a health and wealth gospel. He will not mention hell. He won't preach on sin, but he preaches on all the good earthly blessings that Jesus will give you. Friends, that is a false Christ. The Lord Jesus said that to follow him, you had to take up your new car or your cross? The cross. There's a crossless Christ that's being preached. That's not the Christ of the Bible. Keep yourselves from idols. Now, give me, give me some help now. How do we go about keeping ourselves from idols? What, what, what might we do to keep ourselves from idols? How are you going to identify? How are you going to recognize false Christs? False gods? Know the truth. Know the truth. And that gets so practical. Love your Bible. It's His Word. Listen, Christians should love our Bibles. We're not in love with our Bible. There's something wrong because of who the author of the Bible is. And so, then we're not loved with our Bible. We got something else tugging at our hearts. Amen? Amen. Young or old, doesn't matter. Uh, we should learn to love our Bible. It's something you have to learn. By the way, how do you learn to love it? This is so deep. What's that? Read it. You've got to put it in you. You've got to spend time in it. The more you do, the more you love it. The more you do, the more you love it. Because the more you do, the more Christ will reveal himself to you and thereby reveal God to you. My point is this tonight. He calls us to devotion. He said, In Christ, you know the true God and you have eternal life. Therefore, keep yourself from idols. You keep yourself from any false form. Any God that is not who Jesus Christ revealed him to be is an idol. So stay away from it. Amen? And uh, we have so much today. I really believe the driving force behind the majority of doctrine you're going to hear today is humanism and a humanistic viewpoint is not the god who jesus referred to we have we have, we were taught that that our 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 end is to bring glory to god not happiness to self amen and so then we must know our savior listen to him in his word and then be true to him keep guard your heart from false gods whether we produce them of our own imagination or they're brought to us by seducers but i believe that's why He puts it here in the end. He said, you got some people coming in among you trying to teach you about a God that is not the God that is revealed to us in the person of Jesus Christ. In the person of Jesus Christ, we have a God who is full of grace and truth.